Nije and AJ here back with uh, In Faith and in Doubt. And um, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about, I don't know, you could call it the boundaries of deconstruction. Yeah. Uh, the boundaries of deconstruction. Uh, we've, uh, at a number of points in our uh, conversations, talked about this phenomenon, deconstruction, which entails a variety of experiences, but entails on some level, um, in, at least in the Christian world, a, a person who is identifying as a Christian, who is beginning to question or on some level dismantling some belief or theological structure that they've held their entire life. Um, we've said at a number of points, Nijay, that there's good deconstruction. Right. Um, there can also be really dangerous deconstruction. And good, de- good, de- good deconstruction can be uh, a person who was raised in a Christian environment that was handed uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, but they were also given some really bad theology. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a generation, my generation, of people that were handed the gospel in, you know, 1990, late 1990 evangelicalism, but have really in the, these last few years deconstructed the purity movement and uh, the, the wounds and the, and the dangers that came from that, uh, from that environment. That's a good deconstruction. We need to deconstruct right. some of those bad theologies that we, we were handed. Um, but what we want to talk about here, we've kind of laid the ground in previous episodes on 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 dangerous deconstruction, good deconstruction, and the, the kind of dangers and the, the differences between the two. But what we want to talk about for a few moments is the boundaries of good deconstruction. And what what I want to suggest is that there can be moments when we're rethinking or or or, or reflecting on our theology. There can be moments when we deconstruct too far. Yeah. Now let let me I guess illustrate this with um a, a story from my uh from my own life. There's been a couple times in um my marriage coming up in 19 years this summer where <clears throat> Quinn and myself have um for lack of better terms gone through a very difficult time where our marriage has just gone through a a, a, a maybe a, a resetting or something. It's but just things aren't clicking. Okay. We, any married couple has that, that experience. And uh, in one particular season, we did the right thing, which was we we got ourselves uh, into a counseling office uh, to, to get a third party. You know, how do we think through this stuff? And when we were going through that season and other seasons that were similar, like similarly like it, where we were asking big questions about our marriage, I knew things were really healthy when we were asking questions like. Um, why aren't we communicating? Mm-hmm. How can we talk to each other differently? Why are we uh, not, you know, uh, why does it feel like we're not on mission together? Why Why does it feel like being a parent right now is just really not fun? But I knew that we were getting somewhere where we shouldn't go when we would start asking th- things like, do I really love you? Right. Or, is this marriage really going to make it? Right. Like it almost felt like in, in that experience, there were two levels of questions. One level was one level was sort of, how are we going to grow this marriage? And another set of questions that was sort of, should we chuck the whole thing? Mm -hmm. And I wonder if by extension, we could almost say the same exact thing about deconstruction. Like, is it important and good to rethink as as often as we need to, you know, our thoughts on our our theology of politics, 
Is it important that we rethink our understanding of what it means to be a Christian in America? Absolutely. But the minute we begin to question whether we can trust God (laughs) or whether the Bible is a trustworthy source, those feel like two very different questions. One is a question of how do we keep a a relationship strong and grow in that? Mm -hmm. And the other one is, do I really want the relationship? So, you know, in a way, I don't know, do you see some wisdom in that? I I do. And, 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 you know, I think a lot of it comes back to a phenomenon which which we're which we're seeing in all of culture of kind of a super level of criticism where we don't want to be beholden to something mm. and so then we want to replace that with our own kind of putting our own self at the center mm. and religion whether it's christian or or other um religion is all about putting yourself in the hands of god mm-hmm. yeah Right and and some of the super criticism that you're talking about, which questions fundamentally God, hmm. um, is is you know I kind of think of like Jenga, right? Yeah, right. Where if you start taking out those pieces at the bottom, right, you're yep. going you're going to lose the whole thing. Yep. Um. So so it's really a matter of what exactly we're talking about when we talk about criticism or deconstruction. Um. You know when people. Uh, question the faith, leave the faith. Um, you know, they're in a sense saying this is bad, and I give up, or I give up on this. But I want to know what are they replacing it with? Yeah, right. Um, I, I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of feeling that sense of, you know, um, how far is too far? Yeah. You know, a simple tool that I use with my students is something you and I know as the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Mm, yeah. Um, where, you know, when you're talking about pursuing truth, how do I pursue truth in the world? How do I know what's right and wrong? Hmm. Right? Christians have long held uh, in the in the Wesleyan tradition, the Anglican tradition, um, they've held to scripture, tradition, reason, and then sometimes people add experience, although that gets a little controversial. But let's just look at scripture, tradition, and reason. Scripture is, is the Bible mm-hmm. uh, guiding us in our pursuit of truth. Yes. Uh, uh, tradition is... The tradition of the church, the creeds, um, not foolproof. Some things we've gotten wrong in the past, sure. Um, but still, learning from you know the democracy of the dead, you know, learning yeah. from the people who come before us, and then reason. God gave us brains. He's given us science. He's given us psychology, sociology. He's given us all these tools to help us pursue truth. And I think often when we're doing healthy deconstruction, right, we are questioning some parts of tradition, some parts of how our reason has failed us, some parts of um, how our experiences have failed us or failed to guide us well. But when I try to figure out, am I on the right path with my deconstruction or or criticism, you know, to be a Christian is to trust the Bible. If we lose trust in the Bible... Um, then I think we're we're going to lose the whole thing. Absolutely, it's, it's going to slip yeah. away. Yeah. But I think what I'm noticing with with the kind of mass deconstruction and and the nuns and the duns and all of that is, uh, you know, uh, erosion of trust, trust yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. Now people say, okay, it's all about Jesus, but you know, the Bible is 
what God. How has do we know given about us. Jesus without yeah. the Bible? Yeah, yeah. So people say, yeah. "Oh, it's about Jesus." Well, yes, that's true. It is about Jesus, and he is uh, he is the Word of God. But um, uh, when we start to say, "I don't trust the Bible," yeah, yeah, and I trust my own thinking about what's true over and against the Bible, yeah, absolutely. Um, then we're starting to enter into that supercritical place where I feel like we start losing, in some sense, reality, unless yeah. you've replaced it with something else. Yep. You, yep. you start you start going by kind of the latest wave of what people are upset about. And I find that really dangerous. And the people who have been rocks in my life are people who are in their you know, older years who have seen the ups and downs of society and they say, I really want something, yeah. uh, an authority uh, that transcends the roller coaster ride. Yeah, something deeper. Of the yeah. news cycle or my day-to-day yeah. life. Yeah, I, I think, Nije, that's why we're seeing a ton of people convert to Catholicism right yeah. now, is they've lost trust in their evangelical preacher mm-hmm. who they know maybe is kind of spouting off on Sunday, their opinions on politics, but not really, not really preaching the Bible. And are, people are, I'm not saying that that's how, I, that there's a sense of loss of trust in their local pastor who's basically served as their Pope and they're longing for something that transcends the local mm-hmm. church. We're, I mean, we're trusting creatures. We're trusting creatures. If we don't as Christians trust the Bible, which we're not saying, by the way, hear, hear us clearly. And I think you're on the same page with me. Mm-hmm. We're not saying trusting in interpretations of the Bible. No. We're trusting the Bible. Right. And when you trust the Bible, almost always our interpretations go through a long process of discernment and challenge, and they're often wrong. Mm-hmm. But don't equate the interpretations with the text itself. We trust the Bible. Uh, our interpretations are not inspired. The Bible is inspired. Right. Um, so, but, but back to your point, if we're not going to trust what God has said about himself in the inspired word of scripture, we're going to trust something else. I mean, um, I think it was uh, uh, Brian Zond in, in his most recent book he wrote called Everything is on Fire, which is a really interesting book on deconstruction. But he, in one of his interviews he did, he talked about this young woman who came to him who had been listening to a podcast about how why Jesus didn't have to be God. Why does Jesus have to be God? And she comes to Brian and says, you know, why does Jesus have to be God? Why? And I loved his response. He said, well, because I trust the people that knew Jesus more than your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And, you know, what's happening there is she had at that moment chosen to give more trust to her favorite podcast than she would the apostolic writers who actually knew lived with Jesus and died for him. Right. Like we're going to, who are we going to trust? Are we going to trust? Um, yeah. I mean, are we going to trust uh, the, the famed voices in our generation or the people that actually knew Jesus? Cause we're going to trust somebody. Right. We're, none of us cannot trust somebody. Um, we're all going to have a transfer of trust somewhere. If, if somebody hurts us, we're going to just trust somebody else. So if we're not going to trust the Bible, well, what are we going to trust? Where where else shall I go? In the words of in the New Testament, right? Where yeah. else? Where yeah. else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Where else would I go? Well, well, AJ, uh, you know, probably people that are listening to this podcast have already started um, to deconstruct uh, some of the teachings they've received, and some, you know, some uh, uh, some of the interpretations that they have. 
uh, learned in the past, uh, which, you know, everybody goes through. But we're talking about this kind of um, boundary or right. line that leads into a, a, a more kind of... I liked your phrase, super critical, yeah. or something like that. Sort of super critique. Yeah. This, yeah, uber critique. Right. Yeah. So, so if I were on the listening end of this, AJ, probably in my college days, um, maybe my early seminary days, I would want to call into the show and ask, how do I know where that line yeah, is? Yeah, what are, the, what are those things? Stepped from, oh, shoot, you know, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that I had to learn uh, in seminary that was part of my kind of deconstruction, you know, is the emphasis scripture places on embodiment and mm. this worldly salvation that God is doing stuff now and not just in the afterlife. Yep, yep. Um, but how would I know if I'm crossing over that boundary into more dangerous, self-destructive, faith-destroying forms of deconstruction? Right. Well, I, I, as a suggestion, um, and one of my chapters in After Doubt deals with this um, pretty, I think, explicitly and, and in a more um, fleshed-out way. Um, I actually think this is one of those places where going to the creeds is very important. Hmm. Uh, going to the first few generations of Christians— who are interpreting the text and able to give us a sense of what prioritized, what was prioritized in the in the early Christian um, sort of dogma? What were those things? So when you read, for example, uh, the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, um, and you reflect on these creeds, you begin to see there are some priorities of beliefs that are things that really do seem to sort of be we can't touch these. <laughs> some 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 no non-changeables. Mm-hmm. So a few of those, just by way of of naming them. Let's name them. So for example, one of them, um the the centrality of the cross. I mean the yeah. uh both the apostles Nicene Creed, the centrality of the cross as 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 the place upon the the Son of God's death for the forgiveness of sins uh, as a fulfillment of scripture. Yeah. Um I think when we start tinkering with whether the cross was effective or not, or or if we start saying things like it was just a metaphor, yeah. um, something's lost. Some, we, yeah. We're messing with something. Let me give you another example, and then I want to hear from you. Um, as far as I can tell from the creeds, uh, the bodily resurrection of Jesus really ain't up for conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a no holds bar, this matters. And that sort of you know modern Western sentiment that would say, ah, he resurrected in our hearts to sort of create the new human man, yeah. that's... That's myth, um, and we don't do myth. We do historicity, and and to be a historic Christian is to say, no, actually, um, he was actually in the tomb, and he actually stopped breathing, and he actually died, and he actually he actually killed death, hmm. um, coming back. His body matters. Um, I think once we start messing with that, some it's a it's a new movement, it's a new tradition, it's a new religion. I mean, I think the full humanity of Jesus. We've we've talked about this in the yeah, podcast, yeah, and and yeah. um, and the know, full divinity of Jesus, the both. full divinity yeah. of Jesus yeah. as well. Um, you know, this would have been a mystery in the ancient world. They didn't have they didn't have a box to put this in. This is yeah. a new phenomenon. Some, yeah. you know, the ancient world knew the idea of someone who just looked human, uh, but wasn't really human. Gods in disguise happened all the time uh, in in Greco Roman myth. But this idea of fully divine, fully human was mm-hmm. not. So they yeah. had to 
they had to really reflect on that and come to that conclusion. I mean, this is a controversial one. I don't think it was controversial in the early church, but the uniqueness of Christianity as the one way mm, uh, yeah. to salvation, yeah. you know, one name under heaven in which mortals can be saved. Yes. That's really up for question today. Yeah. Oh, because boy, we have neighbors that we love that are of different religious persuasions. Yep. We have family members that are not Christian, agnostic, atheist, uh, you know, and whatnot. And honestly, sometimes I don't know what to do with that because so many of my relatives are Hindu. Yeah. Um, so many people I know in Portland are are not connected to a religious faith. And yet, this is really clear in Scripture, really clear in the creeds. There should be a sense of, of prayer and humility and love about it all, but it's it's pretty clear in Scripture. Yeah. yeah. Even even you just referenced uh, the centrality of the place of Scripture in, uh, in, in these boundaries. I mean, how many times in the Apostles' Creed uh, is a comment made, and then it will say, according to the Scriptures, yeah, yeah. as a way of saying, like, this is a fulfillment of what God has already said. Yeah. Um, scripture, the minute, the minute we... Um, give more trust to um, the minute we give more trust to any, anybody, scholar or podcast, doesn't matter who it is. Uh, but if if we have displaced our trust in Scripture as a trustworthy guide, um, that's that's dangerous territory. It's dangerous territory. But but okay, what if we're rethinking our theology of angels? What if we're rethinking our theology of uh, state and politics? And the church. What if we're th- rethinking our theology of women in ministry? Like, are those the same levels as those core? Is there room, Nijay, for those for those for questions in those other realms? I, I think so. If it's done with a posture of coherence with Scripture, yeah. rather than oh, those biblical authors are racist, sexist, yes, um, you know, fuddy duddies that don't know anything about my world. Um, God knew that 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 yeah. God already knew that these people had limited worldviews, um, and you know, you and I both talked about C.S. Lewis's comment about chronological snobbery, the assumption that we have it all figured yeah, out, right, right? Of those, you know, those those Neanderthals from the ancient world. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time reading uh, ancient Greek and Roman authors, and they're pretty. There's some pretty intelligent people back then. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're perfect any more than we are. But, um, I, you know, I'm finding that Scripture has a lot of wisdom in it if we're willing to be patient yeah. and read it carefully, knowing they do come from a different world yep. in terms of culture yep. that we do. So, um, I, 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 you know, if I were counseling somebody through this, I would say, um, listen to the critics, but always go back and, and ask, um, what is God teaching in Scripture? Yeah. Yeah. And and am I willing to to put myself before that? Nije, tell me what you think about this in in closing of of this of this particular uh, conversation. Um, Job one, uh, so Job uh, loses everything. Uh, he loses his wife. He loses he loses his family. He loses his job. He loses everything. He loses a sense yeah. of self. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. just a total destruction. Reputation and res- reputation, the whole thing. And the very end of Job chapter one, there's this. Um, Kind of, almost, it almost feels like a postscript to the chapter. It's it's kind of this um, conclusive statement after he loses it all. At this, so Job, Job says to God, he says, um, uh, basically, Job is feeling all the emotions that you would feel when you lose everything. And and the way that the end of chapter one goes, at this, Job got up and tore his robe, and he shaved his head, 
and he fell to the ground in worship. And he says, naked, I came into my mother's womb and naked, I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He, he basically is saying like, I'm nothing. I've lost it all. Um, and you just get the sense that he's, and he's eventually going to have a lot of things to say to God that he's going to want to say to God, God, why, how is this possible? All this sort of stuff. But I, I love the last line in Job one. So Job, he, he says, naked, I came na- from my mother's womb, naked, I'll depart. And then verse 22, but in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. And I, you get, I, I get the sense whenever I read that. Job is permitted to say what is true before God, but there's a line that he doesn't cross where he puts the blame on God. Right. There's this, there's this line that is not crossed. And I, I wonder if that's an invitation to us. Our questions are welcome before the living God, mm-hmm. but we get into dangerous territory when we stop trusting in God or we start blaming God or we start saying God is at fault for these things. I mean, that goes, I mean, we're closing, but that goes right back to what you said about your relationship with your wife or my relationship with my wife, uh, you know, um, refining and fighting and um, renewing and adapting. These are all normal parts of relationships. But once you start down that road of... um, You never say the D word. You never in marriage. You never say the D word. I was told. I remember being <laughs> yeah, told that you just never say the D word, yeah. which is the word for divorce. Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. you just don't even utter it. Yeah, divorcing, uh, arguing, bickering. I love the way you said that. Getting into it. That's a part of marriage. Yeah, just don't say the D word. Right, and and that brings us back to what does it mean to be a Christian? What it means to be a Christian fundamentally is to trust someone greater than you. Yeah, right. To hold you in their hands, and there can be all kinds of of squabbles and 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 like you said bickering and um but but once you start to say you know i don't want to be in your hands anymore the d word yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that that puts you in a position now of of distancing god yeah absolutely yeah thanks nj good conversation yeah absolutely <laughs>